You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Our scripture today is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Thank you, Wade. Over the years of doing ministry, uh, both in-house and in the community and in other places around the country and even internationally, I've, I've had the privilege or the opportunity um, to introduce another speaker, someone who speaks before me or after me or whatever. Um, and a lot of times I've like known that person's name but not really known anything about that person. And so oftentimes my first response is, oh, okay, well, can you give me a fact sheet? You know, and um, recently I had to uh, introduce a, a couple of, of our legislators, Christy Nome and uh, Marty Janko, both I had to introduce them to a, a group of people. And, and in all honesty, I didn't know details about them. I know who they are, but I don't know a lot of details about either of those people. Um, and so I called the guy and said, hey, can you get me some kind of fact sheet. Uh, and he says, oh, absolutely. All you got to do is Google their names, though, and just look it up. And they have one, you know, on their, on their website. So you could just read that, and that'd be great, you know. Uh, it feels a little bit impersonal. You know, it just doesn't feel quite right. Uh, and yet I'm, I'm, I'm getting up and introducing people, and uh, I'm talking as though I know them. Uh, I know something about them. I know their name, but I really don't know them. And I think sometimes... When we talk about the Holy Spirit, that's the way it is. It's like we've got a fact sheet. You know, we've got, we've got some theology. We've got some head knowledge. We've got some stuff that we know about the Holy Spirit. But do we really know the Holy Spirit? Do we really know this person that oftentimes we may have referred to as an it? Do we, do we really have a connection, a relationship that... that that allows us to really know the person of the Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, could we really introduce the Holy Spirit? And I'll be honest with you, that's been a little bit of my challenge in starting this series, is how am I going to introduce the Holy Spirit to you today? How, how is this intro going to go uh, today? And, and what do I need to say to you? All right. So what I did is I just completely backed off of introducing the Holy Spirit to you, okay, uh, and trying to say this is who the Holy Spirit is, uh, this is what he does, so th- those kinds of things. I want to start the series from a, an entirely different perspective, And that's why I've chosen this passage of Scripture here. And as we begin this series today on the Holy Spirit, I I, want to make a few observations about Life Church. Um, I want to talk a little bit about where we are as a church. Um, I'd like to set a few parameters uh, to utilize as we kind of embrace these various aspects uh, of the series. And I'd like to talk a bit about what it means in particular to quench the Holy Spirit. So that's where I'd like to start today. And maybe pose a question to all of us. Are we, both individually and corporately, are we quenching the Spirit of God? And so we take this passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and in particular look at verse 19 that instructs us and says, do not quench the Spirit. And then I have to say, or ask, what does that mean? What, What does it mean, do not quench the Spirit? And and what are some ways that that I could be doing that? How might I be quenching the Spirit and not even know that I'm quenching the Holy Spirit? Uh, Because this Holy Spirit certainly is, in many ways, a mystery. If not a mystery, certainly mysterious. Certainly mystical. It's It's that piece of the Godhead. And so there have been a lot of things that have happened in the name of the Holy Spirit in churches and outside of churches over time. And perhaps you have experienced some of those. And so when I say things like we should have some testimonies, probably some of you, instead of really having a good testimony, you have a bad story. 
You have something that happened that was strange or uh, chaotic or unusual or scary or uh, just downright weird, you know? I've heard that so many times from people when I talk to them about the Holy Spirit. And I say, well, what happened that you sort of have this edginess or this anxiety about the Holy Spirit? And a lot of times the comment that comes immediately back without a thought is, well, it just got weird. It just got weird. Anybody resonate with that? I do. <laughs> and, and, and I may share a few of those stories along the way here, uh, but not in any way to put a damper uh, or, or to go negative on this series on the Holy Spirit. I really want us to embrace the Holy Spirit through this series. And so a lot of what we share needs to be the goodness of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, and that's really, really important. But I believe that all of us can have a tendency or maybe are prone to, in some way, quenching the Spirit, either individually in our own lives or even in a corporate setting because we are not obedient. Last Wednesday night, we gave those who came to the table the opportunity to just talk about, dialogue, some of these aspects of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about different questions that, that, that we laid out. And what are some fears that, that people have, those kinds of things. And I thought the greatest fear would be that it's going to get crazy. It's going to get weird. It's going to go that way. It's, it's just going to get weird. And I don't want to do that again in my life. And that was not so much the case. Yes, that was talked about a little bit. But what was amazing was the greatest fear was, I'm afraid that if I really open my heart to the Holy Spirit, God will ask me to do something. And I won't want to do it. Whoa. And I think that is where we become filled with great fear and trepidation is if I get close to God, what is he going to require of me? What is he going to ask of me? And so maybe not so deliberately and so intentionally do we quench the spirit, but out of our fears and out of our baggage and out of different things, we do quench the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want to get specific with you about this thing of, of quenching the Spirit, and I want to talk about it a little bit, um, and we want to use this passage that Wade read to you as like a starting place. I find this passage extremely challenging. Like, this is hard, this, this passage. It, I mean, think about it. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus, all right? Then he says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. I think any one of those, you just extract any one of those pieces and it's hard, you know? How, how, do, you, how do you rejoice all the time? How do you just always pray and don't stop? How can you give thanks for every situation that you encounter. These, these are very difficult things, I think, for us to do. And yet, it is what we're called to from this particular passage. And wrapped up in there, in the middle of that, is do not quench the Spirit. All right? And so, I think that we need to talk about that a little bit as we get started here because I'm going to invite you today to join me in this series as we go along and be a, a participant, be an active participant in following hard after God and really embracing the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and corporately in Life Church here, okay? So I, I want us to, to understand that God does, in, in some ways, allow us, for whatever reason, he allows us, He permits us, or He suffers us to resist the Holy Spirit. Now, in saying that, let me make something really clear to all of us, okay? Let's just put it on the table right up front, and that is this. Um, in being able to quench the Spirit of God, that does not mean or equate to us being sovereign and Him not. 
The Holy Spirit is sovereign. Simply because you can quench the Spirit does not mean that you get or you have the power or the authority to override the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, in a gracious way, will allow you to put distance between you and the work of the Holy Spirit or will allow you to stop His hand in some ways at some times. But God's Spirit is still sovereign and works out of that sovereignty even as He allows us sometimes to quench what He is doing in our lives. It doesn't mean at all that we would have the final or the decisive control over an omnipotent Spirit of God, all right? It it means that God, for wise, holy, good reasons, whatever they are, will often at times allow us to resist Him. He allows us, He he permits us, uh, He suffers us to resist the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to understand, that never in that place are we in a good position, Never in that place is it good for us. Even if it feels safer to you, it is not the better place for you. It is not a good place for you to land when either your decisions or your disobedience or your rejection or your apathy or whatever the case may be is quenching what the work of the Spirit is in you and around you. It's plain that God can overrule our resistance Um, He can overrule our quenching, if you will, and bring us to repentance at any time He pleases. Let me me give you a a, a biblical basis for that. 2 Timothy 2, verse 25, where it says, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of truth. God, God can grant you the repentance so that you are no longer walking in this disobedient place to Him. All right, and, and that, that repentance from resisting God in any way is a gift of God. And so let's keep out of our mind here at the very beginning any thoughts that, that we have this ability to quench the Spirit, meaning that we have some kind of decisive control over the Spirit in our lives. We don't. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. Those individuals had no control over the Spirit's coming, all right? But they could control whether or not they were in the crowd of recipients who could receive the Holy Spirit on that day. So God is still in, in control here. So that's, that's the, the sort of the, the platform that we're going to operate on here as we talk about the Holy Spirit throughout this series, okay? Now... In this context that we read it to you here, it says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Evidently, there were some in the church in Thessalonica that were in some way despising the gift of prophecy here. All right? Now, why why would they do that? Um, Evidently, the gift was being probably misused in some way. I've seen it done. I've been tempted to despise the gift of prophecy. I've been tempted to despise other gifts of the Holy Spirit when I did not understand or I saw them in some way misused or abused. I've I've been tempted to despise the work of the Spirit when I've seen the bitter fruit of misuse of the Holy Spirit's gifts in a church setting where... uh, Things got out of hand or things got misunderstood or things got divisive in some way or individuals kind of did go weird on us. So for me, I can, I can understand how something could happen like that in Thessalonica. It happened in Corinth. It had to be addressed by Paul and the elders of the church. That's an important piece of it, okay? And we're going to talk about that down the road somewhere else. But, but I want you to understand Paul's response here to this thing, and I want us to have the same kind of spirit as Paul did. Um, now, I'm going to take a moment here and talk to you, and, and I have Pastor Dave's permission uh, to talk on his behalf, all right? So Pastor Dave and I want to be honest with you, and we want to be very transparent with you. Um, we've always declared that Life Church is a charismatic church, 
All right? We've always been a church that has believed that the gifts are very active today and that they're very appropriate for the church in this day and utilized appropriately. They are wonderful uh, extensions of the kingdom of God and the, and the work, work that Jesus has done in saving all of us. Okay? And uh, the gifts can help us to grow and to mature and to function and to be the church. Uh, powerful gifts in the church can manifest and it can actually draw people to Jesus Christ. It can open doors for receiving the gospel. So the Holy Spirit can work in beautiful and wonderful and special ways. I grew up in uh, classical Pentecostal holiness down in South Georgia. I saw things as a small child. I could tell you stories that would, would send some of you in orbit today, all right? You, just, you wouldn't get over it for a little while, all right? Uh, seen it all, been right there in the middle of it, you know, laid in a blanket in the aisle when people were doing strange uh, various things uh, in, in the church service in the name of the Holy Spirit, you know. A baby sleeping right there and people dancing and swinging around and jumping. Oh, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> I, I need to stay on track here, <laughs> okay? But I, I experienced that, I, I was, I, and I'm comfortable, okay? As your pastor, please understand, I'm very comfortable with, with uh, charismania, all right? I'm willing, to, I'm willing to go a little extra just to see whether or not it's God. I'm okay with testing, all right? I'm okay with us getting out there a little bit on the edge. Don't worry. I'm not going to let anything happen in life church. It's not going to go weird, okay? But, but I, I'm okay with that, you know? But Pastor Dave and I want you to understand something. Life Church at one time was a lot more sort of charismatic in flavor and dynamic than it is today. It was. Some of you sitting here, you remember those days. You were a part of that. Uh, some of you, uh, you still have amazing testimonies during that period of time. You want to hear some of those really amazing testimonies? Then you're going to have to hear from Jeannie or, or Jack or, or Susan or some of those guys, okay? Because they, they've been in, in that season with Life Church. Into our journey in Life Church, your pastors came up against some weirdness. And uh, it had a profound effect on both of us. Um, it, it was quite hurtful to both of us. And uh, it took us a bit of time to be resilient. And both of us, some things just got weird for us. And then our reputations got put into the spotlight. And it became a very difficult relational period for us. And to be quite honest with you, your pastors stepped back. We've had to repent because in essence, we quenched the spirit. Not in anyone's life. Jeannie is just as crazy a charismaniac right now as she's ever been. <laughs> I can't stop her. She just goes. All right? Yes. It's fabulous. But what I'm saying is, personally, your pastor stepped back. And it required some healing and some growth and some work for us to step forward. But... What your pastors are saying to you today is, we've stepped forward. We don't want to stand in the way of what the Holy Spirit is doing. We don't want to quench the Spirit. We want, rather, to open that door and invite the Holy Spirit to come and to do what He will do in the midst of Life Church. So that's a little bit of where Life Church is, and that's a little bit of our own experiences. Now, I'll tell you this, one of, and I'm going to have another member of Life Church share, uh, hopefully in the next Sunday or so, about their experience. But one of the most powerful experiences in my entire life has been when another person stood up and prophesied to me the word of the Lord. And it was rich, 
and powerful and relevant and life-changing for me. And I can never get away from it. I can never shake it off of me. It literally follows me wherever I go. And I'll share that with you at some point as well. But what I'm saying to you is even though there have been moments when I have quenched the Spirit in my life, there are aspects of the Spirit that I can never let go of. I hold on to them and they hold on to me. And so I want to challenge you and I that even though you may be sitting here and identifying with me in some ways here and thinking, oh, I probably have quenched the Spirit as well. Let's not live there. Let's not stay there. But let's decide that in this time when the Holy Spirit is speaking and moving in life, church, let's embrace what God is doing. All right? Let's hold on to that. All right? So what I would like to do is I'd like to talk a little bit about that. And I think Paul's response here is very realistic. He says, yeah, that stuff happens, you know. Stuff, stuff happens, all right. But test everything. Hold on to what is good and throw away what isn't good. And keep the good but, and, and don't despise the gift of God. This is what he's telling the church at Thessalonica. And what he's saying really is embrace these good gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been given to you. All right? Hold on to them. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't, don't let go of something that is really, really good for you to have and to experience. And that's the heart of your pastors in this series is let's grab a hold of all the good. Let's test everything. All right? Some stuff we'll throw out along the way. But let's hold to what has been given to us by God as He has poured out the Holy Spirit on all of us, all right? So with that in mind, we want to, to say a few things to you as we begin this series, all right? And the first thing I want to say to you is that at no time do we believe that the Holy Spirit has not been with us leading us, all right? We, we're not by any means saying that when we have quenched the Spirit ourselves or we have resisted something that the Holy Spirit is doing, we are not saying that, that the Holy Spirit has not been with us. The Holy Spirit has been with us and has been leading us as we have been going forward and as we have been growing and expanding and making decisions. The Holy Spirit has been at work and is continuing to work and to lead us and lead us just as he led the early church, just as Jesus spoke about in John 14. The Holy Spirit is here to lead us and to direct us and to teach us. And the second thing I would want to say to you this morning, Pastor Dave and I together, is Life church believes, this, I use an, an old phrase that I heard long ago in, in, in the Holiness Pentecostal movement, and that is, um, the canon is sealed, meaning no matter what anybody else might say or what might be spoken forth, it is never on par with Scripture. The Scriptures are the Scriptures, and the Scriptures inform all of the giftings of the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures inform all of the words that are spoken, the prayers that are prayed, the sermons that are preached. All the spiritual gifts are informed and governed by the Scriptures. So nothing new comes up that is on par with Scripture, okay? It's sealed. It's done, all right? And we hold to those Scriptures as God's people, all right? And the Scriptures must uh, inform us, and all things must be in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul exampled that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, Jesus came and died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Jesus rose from the dead according to the Scriptures, all right? So everything we do in life church is according to the Scriptures, and the Scriptures inform us, and they keep us safe. The third thing that we would like to say to you is that we want to assure all of us that as we go into this series on the Holy Spirit, we do not in any way believe or think, well, let me put it this way, there is no such position in the body of Christ as a spiritual elitist, especially as it pertains to spiritual giftings. Simply because someone is gifted in some capacity, that in no way elevates them. It simply causes them 
or, or should cause them to be responsible for what has been entrusted to them. Every gift is a trust. All right? And so we don't have elitist people in the body of Christ at Life Church. We don't have special people you need to go to. All right? We have the body of Christ. We are all ministers in the body of Christ. We all have various gifts that are to be utilized in the body of Christ. And so we are that body together. And in humility, we build up the body of Christ according to Ephesians 4. That's the way we live. That's the way we function, all right? So again, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Let's, let's come into this series and let's really, really seek God about how we might be open to what the Spirit is doing, all right? So, um, with that, I, I want to I just give you um, maybe three, three or four things here, okay, um, that I think will help us to, um, how do I want to say this? I want you and I to open our hearts to an inspection today, all right? I want us to let, let God speak to us. I want us to let God convict us maybe today, all right? Um, have we quenched the Spirit? Have we done it individually and have we done it corporately? So let me just give you four things here for us to look at and evaluate and we'll be done, okay? First, and I want these to be your prayerful consideration as we begin our series, all right? I really want you to, to think these things through and pray through these areas, all right? First, the concept that quenching the Spirit is to despise the supernatural work of the Spirit and treat it with contempt. He says, don't quench the Spirit do not despise prophecy. Evidently, those in Thessalonica who were despising prophecy, something had happened as we referred to earlier. But I think what Paul is trying to say here is that that, that is not the place that we need to live. And as I shared in a sort of a transparent way where David and I landed, I think he and I had begun to despise prophecy in particular because some things that had been spoken were very not God and not right at that time. And, and we tried to work with that and, and you know, test it um, and, and harness that in a bit. Uh, and it, it, it caused difficult relationships when we did. And we didn't like that, you know. We didn't like the uncomfortableness. We didn't like the situation. And so um, we just recoiled. And, but in recoiling, we were like, prophecy's not good for us. Prophecy's dangerous. Prophecy can mess things up. And so there was this sort of uh, contempt that seemed to be brooding, a low-grade contempt brooding inside of us about prophecy. Maybe prophecy isn't your button here. Maybe it's another gift of the Spirit, or maybe it's just the moving of the Holy Spirit in general. And, and you have, you're, you're taking issue with that for some reason. Maybe it's something that someone taught you years ago or whatever. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, can we move away from holding contempt to the gifts? Because that stands in the way of receiving the Spirit of God. And can we lay down, can we identify these places where maybe something has happened in our lives that has created this kind of contempt or this ability to in some way despise the work of the Spirit, which causes us to, to be re resistant in some way, okay? And, and let us begin as a church to embrace the work of the Holy Spirit in whatever manner He would want to manifest Himself among us. And let's work with this and become a church that is full of God's Spirit. The second thing that I'd like to point out and ask you to prayerfully consider is, could you and I, or could we corporately, be quenching the Spirit by neglecting the gift we have? Here's where I get that from. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 
14 and 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Let's compare the two. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Do not neglect, he's writing to Timothy, he said, Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. And then he comes back in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and he says, I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. It was a wonderful work that was done in the Spirit as godly and righteous men got around young Timothy and laid hands on him and prayed for him and gifts were imparted to him. And Paul is saying, hey, I, just, I need to remind you, don't neglect that gift. In other words, I, 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 want, I want you to pay attention to that gift. I want you to cultivate that gift. I want to see that gift working in you. I remember on occasion praying for people. And that has been one of the gifts that God has given to me is the spirit of prayer and the ability to pray for people and words of knowledge and insight and revelation in praying for people. There are people who would come to me and sit down with me and they would say, I really appreciate that you have this sort of prophetic edge uh, and, and, and I would like for you to pray for me. Um, it doesn't happen every time I pray for someone, but there have been unique times when I've prayed for people and God has, has done a, a unique thing in their hearts and, and he has revealed things and in sharing those appropriately with people, it's had a, a dramatic impact on, on their life and shifted them spiritually. It's, it's a good thing. I can be sitting with someone at the table and we can just be uh, having food and eating, but, but it's like God can download something and I just share it and it's like for that person, it's rhema. In that moment, it's a very powerful word for that person, and it touches their life in a really powerful kind of way. It's a unique moment. It's a unique experience. It's really delightful, you know? But once in a while, as God entrusts that kind of gift to you, I'm using my examples today, all right? Um, as God entrusts that kind of gift to you, um, and you utilize that gift. It isn't so that you just get to feel good. And, and it isn't always a feel-good moment. Because at some point in time, God will use you in that gift to speak life to a person. And life to that person is exposing sin. And so what God gives to you is an understanding of a stronghold or um, a, a sin uh, anchor in that person's life. And so you share that with them. And sometimes people will just, the spirit of repentance comes and, and they repent and it's really good. Sometimes it doesn't and there is resistance and that person walks away. If you're a person like me who operates out of rejection, uh, oftentimes that's not a fun place. See, I want the good side of the gift, not the tough side of the gift. I want it to always come out good. And I'm so altruistic about life that I think everything's going to be good. So it's like, oh, I see, I got it. You need to, and, and I, you know, download something, and this person's like, you are wrong. You are off. I'm never coming back to see you again, you know, and they're gone. And I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? And it hurts deeply because I was trying to follow God and obey Him. Sometimes God will ask you to do the hard thing. God will ask you to say the hard thing. God will ask you to, to be in the difficult situation. God will ask you to walk long suffering with someone uh, for a season of their life. There are things that God will ask of us to do because we are gifted to do them. Some of you have the gift of hospitality and God will ask you to take in a stranger. Some of you have the ability to be tremendous uh, fathers and mothers to children and God will ask you not only to enjoy your own children but to bring in other children into your family in various dynamics. Some of you just have such mercy and, and, and such compassion and you can go to someone whose life is filled with, with darkness and pain and, and shame and you can just love them in spite of where they've been. 
because you see where they can be. But those are hard places. And sometimes when we don't like those places, we will actually start to let the gift go because we just don't want to do what perhaps God is asking us to do. And yet that is so the heart of God. Timothy, don't neglect the gift you have. It was given to you by prophecy. The elders laid hands on you and prayed over you. Fan it into flame. Get it going. Let, let the Spirit breathe on it. All right? Let it ignite. Let it be a fire, if you will. Identify or identifying a gift is different from utilizing a gift. And it's one thing to say, I have a gift or I've received a gift. It's a whole other world to utilize that gift and be responsible to God for that gift operative, not only in your life, but in the life of the church as well. A third area I'd like for us to look at and consider in prayers, are we quenching the Spirit by the means of shutting down our emotions when there's a, a joyful spiritual expression of the Spirit called for in our lives and in the, in the congregation. Now, please understand, I'll, I'll qualify this one. I'm not talking about altering your personality. All right, that's not what I'm asking you to do. Some of you are a bit quieter, you're a bit more introverted, whatever, than others. Some of you are gregarious and outgoing and, and, and all of that. Some of you, uh, you, you would dance at the drop of a hat. Some of you would never be seen dancing, especially in church, okay? I get it. I understand that, okay? But, but, but that, and that's, that's not exactly what I'm talking about here. Let, let me take you to Ephesians chapter 5, um, beginning at verse 18, verse 18 and 19. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making medley to the Lord with your heart. What's he talking about? He's talking about the vibrant fullness of the Spirit that can literally just overflow. And there'll be very appropriate expressions like singing and, and joyful melody. And it'll be all from the heart. And it'll be, it'll be very feeling and very sensate in a lot of ways. Yet it's no way where God or your pastors are saying, check your brains at the door and just go with your feelings. But sometimes if we don't like those expressions or we don't like how they're coming, we may resist them. We may just, you know, fold our hands and say, well, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to be a part of that. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't like that, so I'm not going to do that. So on Sunday morning, I don't like the worship, so I'm not going to worship with, with everybody. I'm just going to stand here or I'm just going to sit in my chair and just be this way because I don't like where the church is going and, and how the Spirit is supposed to be moving here. I don't even think this is the Spirit of God. You hear those kinds of things sometimes, all right? And, we, and sometimes you don't hear them. You just know they're there because people respond that sort of way, and they're very closed up. It's really like a little child who is unhappy or mad or disappointed in some way, and they just go over by themselves a little bit. They just kind of like separate themselves just a little bit from everybody else. They don't go disappear, unfortunately. Uh, they just they stay there because they want to be seen. They want you to see how upset they are, you know. They want you to know they're mad, they're disappointed. So they're just standing there, you know. And finally you go and go, hey, what's wrong? I am not going to invite you to my birthday party. <laughs> Every one of my children have said that to me at some various point in time in their life. I'm not going to invite you to my birthday party. And I'm just like, sweetheart, I am your birthday party. <laughs> I'm it. Like, like, if you don't invite me, then I don't come. If I don't come, there's no party. So you need to rethink this a little bit, you know? So are we not inviting the Holy Spirit because we're just saying, well, this isn't the way I would do it. This isn't what I want. This isn't how I want to go. So I'm just going to pout for a little while, and I'm going to let you all know that I'm pouting. You know, and when the party does come, I'm not going to invite all of you. Well, the problem with that is the party's going to go on. The work of the kingdom is going to go forward. 
The Spirit of God is going to move. Again, there's no sovereignty over your decisions to resist or quench the Spirit that hold back God. But you may miss out. And you and I as the body, we cannot afford to miss out on what God is doing. And here's the thing, to do what God has called us to do in our neighborhood and city and beyond, we cannot afford to miss out on what gifts God has appropriated for us to utilize to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And so you and I cannot resist, we cannot quench God by having our own little pity party and saying, I'm not going to be a part of things. We've got to, we've got to hurry here. I have one, one last consideration for, the, for you. And, and by no means are my considerations today, these four things, exhaustive in any way. I'm giving you some things that I just think we as a body need to look at and need to consider as we are going forward here, okay? Quenching the Spirit means resisting the fruit of the Holy Spirit, those gracious behaviors that come from the Spirit of God. I was so encouraged Wednesday night when we started talking about, you know, what are your concerns as we go into a series on the Holy Spirit and as we really challenge one another to embrace the life of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and that sort of things. And, and, and I, I really thought everybody was just going to focus on some negative aspect or experience that they had had along the way. And several people said, oh, I'm just very concerned about us being able to understand and embrace the fruit of the Spirit. That's a big part of it to me. And I was so encouraged in that because I think that's absolutely essential that, that we are able to live out of the fruit of the Spirit long before we start to manifest the gifts of the fruit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And then these words, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then he goes on and says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. So, in front of this command here to not grieve the Spirit, and behind this command here to not grieve the Spirit, we have these exhortations, all right? In other words, live out of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then you won't grieve God. Here's our position in life, church. Fruit first, manifestation second. All right? Don't try to function walking in the Spirit and in gifts if the fruit of the Spirit is not manifest in your life. This is, this is very truthful now. I'm not, I'm not making this up. And I'm not embellishing, I don't think. My wife's sitting back there. She can call me out, okay, if I am. All right. But we sat with a lady once, and we were talking to her, and she said to me, um, she said, well, I have all the gifts. This is how she presented herself and introduced herself. She said, I have all the gifts. Like, they all work in my life. And I have a unique gift. And I go, really, what is that? And she said to us that God had gifted her and called her in the gift of rebuke. This is a seasoned veteran missionary kind of Christian. God has called me to rebuke. This was her next comment. This is not a gender issue at all, okay? But she said, I especially am called to rebuke men in the body of Christ. I was like, God, deliver me right now. You know, help me right now. I don't know what to do with this. This is a, a grenade. The pin has already been pulled. It's just going to get thrown somewhere. And I'm going to have to clean up the mess. You know? 
But it was like, I, I have this. No, no, sweetheart. And this is where gifts come into play. It was like, oh, I, sweetheart, no. Tell me about your daddy. I don't talk about my dad very much. He was a horrible alcoholic and abused me. Okay. There's a work that God needs to do here. But I had to, because of relating to this person so closely in the church, I had to constantly ask God, please, God, help me to see her through your eyes. I can't see her through my eyes. I need to see her through your eyes. And I need to see this place that you want to heal. And we walked with her for a long time, and then God moved them, them on uh, somewhere else. So they're not here today, okay? All right. <laughs> but what, but what, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say to you is that we can operate out of our woundedness. We can operate out of our brokenness. We can operate out of our fears. We can also operate out of our unbelief. We can operate out of false teaching. There's so many ways of operating outside of the Spirit. But the Bible says, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It is 1130. Give me just a couple more minutes here, okay? Here's what I'm asking you today. I'm asking you to come along with me in this that God is doing. Let God search your heart today. If you are despising some gift of the Holy Spirit, if you are neglecting some gift of the Holy Spirit, if you are shutting down the work of the Spirit and its expression, or if you are resisting the fruit in some way, those are words to look at and ask God to search your heart, despising, shutting down, neglecting, resisting. If that is where we are, then we need to repent. We need to come back to that place where we are open to what God is wanting to do. So instead of neglecting, we, we fan into a flame the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Instead of despising, we learn to, to understand, appreciate, and love the Holy Spirit. Instead of shutting down, let's open our hearts to life in the Spirit. And instead of resisting, let's begin to cooperate with God and His good work his transformational work whereby we begin to walk in the Spirit and we no longer fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's start in that place as we start this series. I love Yosemite National Park in California. Uh, I, I love to read about it. I, I just love everything about it. I, I love our, our national parks. I love hiking, those kinds of things. I, I, I mean, if God would have let me, I'd have lived in Denver. I, I just, I, I'd have been in the mountains all the time. I just, just love that, okay? Um, but the story is, is, or history tells of uh, a number of years back in Yosemite um, where the, uh, the, the, the sun would go down at night and, and the crowds would gather at a place called Camp Curry, uh, and it was located uh, at the foot uh, of, of some cliffs there. And what would happen is that the rangers would go up on, on the, the bluff and they would, they would actually like stoke a fire. Like they would build a fire. It's the weirdest thing. And they would get this fire going. And when they would get this fire going, then they would push it over the cliff. It would be like a, a, a waterfall of fire that, that would be going down into the, the lake below, you know. But it was a, a, a bantering thing that would, would happen oftentimes, all right. And, and they would, the, they, the, the rangers would, would yell and they would say, are you ready? And the crowd would respond back and say, let the fire fall. <laughs> and, and this would happen back and forth until the rangers would push stuff over the side, and the fire would fall down into the lake. It's the strangest thing, isn't it? It sounds strange. Any of you ever see that, been there, did that? You know, uh, Jack, you, Jack, you've been everywhere. <laughs> Just crazy, all right? Just absolutely crazy. Are you ready? So that's, that's my response to you today. Are you ready? Thank you, Jeannie. <laughs> Let's, let's be ready. Let's just let 
the fire of God. That's a unique term, isn't it? But we're going to look at that term as we go through the series a lot more and, and uh, investigate that term. But, but are you ready? Let's let the fire fall. Let's let, it, let's let God do what God would want to do. Let's not be afraid of that work that God would want to do in us. Amen? Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. And then Anne's going to come quickly, and she is, uh, is going to just share the gospel with you. Because I'm going to tell you what, the greatest work that the Spirit does is to lift up Jesus and point to Jesus. There is no greater work of the Holy Spirit. If you are caught up in gifts to the expense of the gospel, man, you are missing it all the way around. All right? It is, it is absolutely the work of the Spirit to bring people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we do, all that we do for, is for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be shared. And Anne's going to share that in just a second. Let me just pray quickly for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you let the fire fall in Life Church? Would you let every heart be open, Lord, to what the Spirit is saying in these hours ahead? We pray, God, that this series would be powerful and impacting, transformational and life-changing for every one of us. Do it, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mrs. Olson. Wow. Okay. What I know for sure is that my flesh is weak. Just as Bill was explaining, we, we look at things, we make mistakes, we get afraid. We run away. We do all kinds of things. But God had a plan. From the very beginning, he understood the weakness of our flesh. He understood our fears. He understood our needs. And he put into place a plan, the most beautiful plan, that he would send his son, his one and only son, in order that he might live a perfect life, die in place of my mistakes, in place of my fears, and grant to me through that, the redemption of life, eternal life that comes from him. But not only that, when he rose again, he said, I, will, I, I have to do this. I have to do this. And he gives this reason. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. And so today as we um, assimilate, think about, put into our own lives what Bill has spoken, let the Holy Spirit come. Don't be afraid. It's a, he will bring you peace. He will bring you life eternal. He is our helper, our advocate. Our friend. And so the, the prayer team will come up. If you just want to talk to somebody about how does this work or what is this like in my life, or you just want somebody to say, help me, and they will. So prayer team, come up. I'll pray, and then you're dismissed. Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you that you didn't leave us alone. Thank you that you knew us so much better than we know ourselves, and you loved us first. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to teach us, to guide us, to shower us with your peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.